Wayne, I, I was sitting in a cocktail lounge watching the game, and for the first uh, quarter and a half, I, I think things were a little tense. One of the people I was with, she kept saying, it, it, don't worry, it's early, it's early. She was right, it was early. What a turnaround. <laughs> Yeah, you know, and it's interesting because you're right. For almost the entire first half, the Giants had, uh, you know, the Green Bay offense under control. And uh, this is the best defense we've seen this year, in my opinion. And, um, you know, it took a while for Aaron Rodgers to kind of find the key and unlock that uh, defense. But once he did, they got a, a short field. Uh, for that first touchdown drive that they had right before halftime, and and that made all the difference in the world. And you know they go from six nothing down, and they could have been a lot worse than that, uh, to seven six up, and then they got the ball back right before halftime and hit the hail mary, and all of a sudden it's an eight point lead at halftime when the Giants had really outplayed them for most of the first half. When you know it's interesting, you talk about the short field for for many games this year. It seems like. The Packers had problems on special teams, you know, bad starting things. Yesterday, their special teams really did dominate the Giants on kickoff returns, punt returns, punt coverage, you name it. Um, they outplayed the Giants, it seemed there, to me. There's no question about that, Jeff, and that was a major key to this uh, to this victory, uh, the play of the special teams. In particular, I thought Jacob Shum was just outstanding. Six punts, a 41.8-yard average, a 41.2 net, thanks to the coverage in large measure by uh, Jeff Janis. The return game I thought was very good. Micah Hyde was decisive. He averaged 10 yards on five punt returns. That's a heck of an average. Uh, Janice on uh, three kickoff returns, 77 yards, a 25.7 yard average. The Packers owned the special teams and you know the Giants had good special teams coming in so this was a major turnaround for the Packers. You know Wayne, it, it's interesting. I've, I've been actually looking forward to talking to you about this. I, I thought a key turning point in the game. Everybody talks about the stuff before the halftime and all but the Packers go forward on fourth and one. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, fail. The Giants go down. They score. It's 14-13. The game very much in the balance relatively early in the third quarter. Packers get the ball. Uh, the kicks returned like 30-some yards. And Aaron Rodgers goes down the field in four plays, and they score. And the lead's back up to, to eight points. I thought that was an amazing drive where, when the game really was very much in balance. Yeah, I agree with you wholeheartedly, Jeff. I think that might have been where the game turned. That is where the game turned once and for all. Um, you're right. The Packers gambled on that fourth down uh, call, didn't go their way. And two plays later, the Giants are in the end zone on a 41-yard touchdown pass to uh, uh, Tavares King. Now, you know, at that point in time, you got to wonder, all right, here we go. Uh, what's going to happen now? They got the good kick return, as you mentioned. And then Rodgers really, I thought what I saw on the offense, people asked what was the difference in the offense in the second half. They went to more quick hitting passing you know what I mean mm-hmm. it wasn't a matter of Rogers going to drop back deep and bide his time and buy time and wait for somebody to get open they just went like okay we're going to go quick slants maybe across here or there that type of thing get the ball out quickly on time on rhythm and that got the offense on track and that's what you saw in that quick four play 63 yard drive resulting into the 30 yard touchdown pass to Randall Cobb right and some great running by the receivers the the yards after catch you know they, they'd catch the ball on slant and I you you had several of them that then you know went twenty or thirty extra yards on that. So it was get get the ball out there and watch them pick up yardage. Yeah, no question about it. And so they, they answer, and it, now it's twenty-one to thirteen. Uh, later, they add a Mason Crosby field goal, and and I really thought the uh, you know uh, the end of it really was when Randall Cobb caught that sixteen-yard touchdown pass from Rodgers uh, early in the fourth quarter, nine nineteen to go in the fourth. That was pretty much it for New York. They were done after that. Our numbers four one four seven nine nine one six twenty eight hundred eight seven seven one six twenty. That's the Acunet Mortgage toll-free talk line. 
Uh, we are joined by the voice of the Green Bay Packers, Wayne Larravee, on a great Monday. Uh, Wayne, let's talk to Dave in West Bend. Dave, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. At 4.32 yesterday afternoon when Jordy got hurt, you could see on the sidelines that that's the next man up attitude, very similar to the 2011 season. Uh, just prior to that, you could see Jordy in the huddle. He looked there. I looked at him. He was being on TV. He looked cold, and the whole, the whole just looked lazy. And then when he got hurt, the whole team just went crazy. I don't know if that the injury to Jordy Nelson spurred on the team. I, I don't really see it that way. I, I know that this is a, a big setback. People felt really bad uh, for Jordy with that injury. But, you know, this is an ongoing discussion this morning. Uh, people have been asking me, uh, are they better able to – are they better equipped to handle the loss of Jordy Nelson than they were a year ago? And the answer to that question is yes, uh, because of the improvement of Devontae Adams. Um, you know, a healthy Randall Cobb certainly will help. Uh, the emergence of Jared Cook. Now, Cook's numbers aren't usually spectacular, but the, but he makes key plays out there, key third down pickup here or there. He's somebody, when they split him off the line, the Giants – uh, had to cover him like a wide receiver. And, you know, that his presence on the field, a tight end with that kind of presence, I think makes a big difference, and they didn't have that last year. Wayne, do you think the Jordy Nelson hit should have been penalized? I, I was watching that. It looked to me like the guy led with his helmet and smacked into Jordy's ribs, almost like he used the helmet as a weapon. You know, I saw the helmet a little bit, but, you know, I thought for the most part he hit him with the shoulder, and I, okay. I didn't think it was targeting. No, I thought it was a clean hit. All right, we're going to take a very quick break. If you're on the line, please hold on. 414-799-1620 is the number if you want to join us. It's 842 Monday Morning Quarterbacks with Wayne Larrabee on 620 WTMJ. 846, Jeff Wagner, Wayne Larrabee, the Monday Morning Quarterbacks, News Radio 620 WTMJ. Wayne, it's amazing that that play keeps working so many times. <laughs> I know it. Yeah. It really is. That's three Hail Marys, at least, we've seen. Actually, you could almost say four, okay? One in Detroit. Right. Uh, the second one was in Arizona on a fourth and like 25 uh, when they hit Jeff Janis um, late in that ball game near the 50 yard line. And then a couple of plays later, they hit him in the end zone right. on a Hail Mary. So, you know, and then this one yesterday, uh, yeah, I. I've never. Th- this is amazing. I mean, I'm a Catholic, and I've never heard of this many Hail Marys answered in my life. <laughs> um, Wayne, let's talk to Tony in Milwaukee. Tony, good morning. Good morning, fellas. It's a good day. It is. Hey, Wayne, I like to ask, what's the purpose of having to gamble on that fourth down when you have an eight-point lead? I just don't understand that. It's a feel type of thing, you know. I mean, I think Mike wanted to continue that ball control and, and keep the Giants' offense off the field, kind of wear down the Giants' defense. It's it's a feel, and, you know, that's something you go with your gut feeling in a situation like that, and unfortunately it didn't work uh, for the Packers. The third and one, they went up the middle with a play. They tried a little bit of a stretch play, but the, the Giants' defensive tackles are just massive and really hard to move out of the way and and the Packers struggled with that aspect of the field all day you know Wayne that that is for anybody who thinks they want to be a head coach that's one of the all's well that ends well things because can you imagine if the game had turned out differently what what the conversation about that play would be this morning it very nearly did I mean the Giants swung momentum to the Giants and they got that uh, two plays later they're in the end zone with that touchdown pass now it's a one-point game and and uh, but you know again Rodgers uh, backed it up, and, and uh, you know he got everybody off the hook with that big touchdown drive that followed. Speaking of Rodgers, the, the first touchdown to Devontae Adams, where it seemed like Aaron Rodgers held the ball for about eight seconds, I, I know I say this every week, I don't think that there's another quarterback in the league that could have made that play. The throw, extending the play, all those things, it was incredible. 
It was incredible, and the coverage, if I'm not mistaken, by number 30, Sensabaugh, was all draped all over. I still watched, I watched the replay. I said, how did they complete that thing? I mean, how did that get in there? Um, but Adams made a great catch. I thought it was a circus kind of catch for him because the coverage was all over. And Rodgers, an incredible throw to get it in there. Amazing. Let's talk to Jerry in Brookfield. Jerry, good morning. You're on 620 WTMJ. Hey, good morning. About that, that fourth, fourth and one, sometimes you just have to try it, but... Um, what about, I haven't heard a whole lot said about uh, Clay Matthews. Boy, he, you know, after he went and stripped the ball, and then they're standing around looking at the, the dead ball, and he's got the sense to go out there and get it. That got him another touchdown. It did. Um, and a great play by a great player. You know, the other player who's going to be in the Hall of Fame, and I think Clay will be in the Hall of Fame someday as well, uh, the other player is uh, Julius Peppers, who can smell a Super Bowl, and is you know that's been his whole focus the last four or five years of his career. Uh, he played exceptionally well yesterday, too, I thought, and, and really harassed the Giants' passing game. But Clay Matthews, typical. I mean, how many times have you been told, either in high school or on even lower levels of football, that play to the whistle, just keep playing until you hear a whistle and clay matthews was the only guy on that field who kept playing after that uh, what looked like an incomplete pass he never heard a whistle he kept playing pursued the ball got the fumble 10 yards downfield and set up the packers on a uh, what was a game clinching drive you know when you, you keep talking about you were talking about julius peppers and the big plays and he, he certainly had him i mean he was one responsible for what one of the stops or the sacks right before that first touchdown that gave him the good field position i mean Big guy that comes up with big plays and big games. Yeah, that's how stars are. You know, it's it, Jeff, it's not the number of plays they make. It's when they make the play. That's the great player in a football game. Let's talk to Scott, who's calling us from Philadelphia. Scott, good morning. You're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning, guys. A uh, couple of things. First of all, I just wanted to tell you that I always listen to the game online on my laptop in one room. So what I do is I go watch the game on Fox, and when something great happens, I run into the other room and hear Wayne and Larry. <laughs> that is the only way. That is the only way to enjoy games. Absolutely. Uh, just a quick question for you: When the Packers or any team actually are in a non-critical situation and the play clock is running towards zero, wouldn't it be better to take the five-yard penalty rather than use a precious timeout? And that's all. Yeah, I yeah. No, I, I think that's a great question and point. You know, and it's something I'm. I might even ask Mike McCarthy that because um, there's a whole philosophy about that as well. You know, you don't want to give up the yardage. Um, you know, but you're kind of right. I mean, you know, yeah. you. you Burn a timeout in a game like well, we thought yesterday's game would go down to the wire. Thank goodness it didn't. But. You know, the Packers were out of timeouts kind of early in that second half. Uh, unscheduled timeouts are never anything you, you know, you want to sneeze at. And, uh, you know, so I that's a great point the caller made there in that, you know, why, yeah, maybe if, if it's not a consequential situation, take the five-yard penalty early in the first quarter or second quarter, whatever, you know, and maybe, uh, you know, save that timeout. Well, the first timeout they had to burn was when they had too many men on the field right before a punt, I remember. Right. I, I was thinking somebody's going to get chewed out for that. I don't know who, but somebody's going to get yelled at for that one, I would have to imagine. I believe that was where Kyler Fackrell was getting off the field late or something right. like that. I mean, it was a fourth down and five for the Giants, and right. uh, the penalty would have given them a first down and could have, you know, yeah. Right. Let's Absolutely. talk, Wayne. Let's talk to Jeff and Oshkosh. Jeff, you're on six twenty WTMJ. Good morning. Hi, I was wondering if Wayne or Wayne had heard a stat that I heard that Aaron Rodgers is the first quarterback in NFL history to have three consecutive games with four touchdowns and no interceptions. 
Interesting. Really? Mm. That's what I heard. I did not I hear that. It's true. No, it could be. <laughs> also, I heard that uh, there could have been two fumble recoveries on that play where Matthews got the got the uh, the strip sack and the, the recovery because yeah. that that giant player had his hands on the ball when Matthews knocked him yeah. over. Yeah, but but he also gave up the ball, so yeah. it would have stood for Clay Matthews' fumble recovery anyway. But, but the, the big point being, though, as you mentioned, he, he was the guy, Matthews was smart enough to realize that was a live ball right. when lots of other people didn't. Wayne, I tell you what, let's take a very quick break. When we come back, let, let's, look, let's look ahead because you've got the Packers, arguably the hottest team in football, going against the number one seed, the Dallas Cowboys. So we'll see where that goes. 8.53, Jeff Wagner, Wayne Larrabee, the Monday morning quarterback, 6.20 WTMJ. Wayne Larrabee, Jeff Wagner. You know, Wayne, that was another one. At that point of the game, I, I was just yelling, get down, get down yeah. on the ground. You know? that, that's the, I was the same thing I said, because I've seen a guy, I can't remember if it was Darren Sharp or somebody, who returned an interception years ago out of the end zone in the same situation, game-ending situation, and got injured and didn't right. play the next week. So, <laughs> right. yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Exactly, Jeff. That was my thought exactly as he went down the sidelines. Get out of bounds. Right. Just Fall down, know, whatever. Really. Yeah, you've done. Okay, Wayne, uh, next Sunday afternoon, Cowboys and Packers, fifth game of the year. Cowboys come up to Lambeau Field, uh, beat the Packers, actually kind of dominate the Packers, 30-16. to 16. You know, can we read, what, what, sh- what, if anything, should we take from that game? Is this a completely different time of the year? What do you think? I, I, it's That was quite a while ago. That's, what, 10 weeks ago or more. Um, you know, but nonetheless, the Cowboys are still who they are, and the Packers are who they have become, which is a little bit different than what they were back then, if any of that makes any mm-hmm. sense. So I do think, you know, the, there's going to be a little bit of a difference here in, in these two teams. Cowboys are rested. They're the healthiest team in the NFL. Uh, they have been all season long. It's part of the reason why they're 14-2. and two. But those two rookies have been great. Um, you know, the key to the ball game will be, can you contain uh, Zeke Elliott? And if you can contain him to around 100 yards, um, maybe put more of the onus on the rookie quarterback, uh, that's what the Packers hope to do. But uh, this is a better offense, a much better offense than New York presented. But the defense is not nearly as good as New York. I think the Giants had the best defense in the league at the end of the season. Um, the Cowboys are not that kind of a defense. Wayne, one of the things I know you have always preached is it's not necessarily who you play it's when you play them and I have to believe right now that there's no team in the NFL that really wants to play the Packers no and it's been like that for weeks Jeff I mean coming down the stretch people were saying boy did somebody knock off Green Bay because that's the team we don't want to see in the NFC playoffs and nobody was able to do that the Bears almost did it but uh, uh, were unable to get it done and uh, you know that's the thing that that you you look at these teams with momentum going into the final weeks of the season. You look at Pittsburgh and the AFC, the momentum they have. You look at Green Bay and the NFC. Um, you know, some of these teams have been off, and they earned the right to be off for a week. But I'm not sure at this time of year that always is the best thing. Um, speaking of injuries and, and rested, and any word on Jordy Nelson? Does it look like he's going to be able to play, or you think he's out? Um, I th- Well, it's just my guess, and I don't have any information. The team did not release any information beyond the fact that he was X-ray for a rib injury um to me i i would be amazed if he came back and played this week yeah yeah yep but as, as we were talking about earlier the packers they're, they're deep and they certainly have shown that next man up um attitude let's look at what randall cobb did for goodness yep. sakes and as we mentioned earlier jeff they're better equipped to handle a loss of jordy nelson than they were a year ago 
Wayne, I have thoroughly enjoyed our conversation, and we're going to have at least one at least one more week, maybe more <laughs> of the Monday morning quarterbacks. How great is that? We're hoping for more, Jeff. Let's be let's let, lean on the uh, more part of it. <laughs> the congregation says Amen. Wayne, have a great week. Thanks for All being right, with Jeff, us. All right, Jeff. You too. Good morning, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. No, don't go anywhere, Jane. Welcome to the show. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. She was trying to sneak out. Of course, we can't let this go. This is Jane Matinair's birthday. Happy birthday. Thank you so much. Do you know that there are some people who like share the birthday with a celebrity like you? <laughs> really? <laughs> That's it. Kate Middleton. You Princess, knew that? I did. Princess Kate, yes. Princess Kate? Yeah, we look almost identical. Uh, <laughs> I've noticed that. Richard, if, if you can't yeah. see. Yeah, Richard Nixon. Richard Nixon, This yes. was Richard Nixon's birthday. Mm-hmm. Um, Dave Matthews from the Dave Matthews Band. That's right. Uh, let's see. I'm kind of looking through the list. Bart Starr. Bart 80, Starr. 83 years old 83 today. 83 today. 83. Mm-hmm. And then perhaps most famously, Bob Denver. Gilligan, I forgot about him. Gilligan, yes. Now he, you know, he he passed away in two thousand five. But yeah, Bob Denver. I'm honored <laughs> to be in such company. Get, yeah, get, get get off that island. And <laughs> I, I, I was actually the the internet. It's an amazing thing. I, I'm looking at this like list of people who were born on January 9th and. Trust. There's a lot of them. I have no idea who they are. You Didn't know? accomplish it's, anything. Well, no, but I mean, you know, we we figured out some of the Jimmy Page, you know, the guitarist. Sure, from Led Zeppelin. From Led Zeppelin, yeah, and then, wow. um, but you know, like like Blake Gray, 16 years old, musical star. No yeah, idea. No idea. But no. we'll we'll stick with Bob Denver. I mean, you share a birthday with Bob Denver. That's <laughs> that's it. He finally got off that island. So happy birthday. Thank you so much, Jeff. Absolutely. I'm still. I'm glad to be alive. <laughs> Well, that's there. There is that. We start off. All right. What you know? I, I just have to say one of the things I've always said this: the most difficult day to do a a show like I do in Wisconsin is the day after the Packers lose. Um, on the flip side, after you know great ball games like that one, and I I understand. I, I was sitting in a cocktail lounge, and the the crowd, including me as part of the crowd, a little bit restless for that the first that the first quarter and and a half and like i say one of my friends she kept saying it's okay it's going to be early it's going to be it's early it's early and she ended up like i say being right but first quarter and a half the 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 natives were restless you might say but it all it all turned out well and i'm um I'm actually I'm optimistic about the Dallas game. I mean, Dallas is a very, very good team. But I go back to what Wayne has always said. As long as I have known Wayne, it's always been, hey, it's not necessarily who you play. It's when you play them. And right now, I don't think anybody wants to play the Packers because they are a very hot team. And I I think Aaron Rodgers is arguably playing the best football of his career and uh, it's it's going to be a tough game, no question about it. Going down to Dallas, and they are a very good team, but it's going to be exciting. And you can we're going to be doing all sorts of special things all week in connection with that playoff game. And of course, you can hear it here on News Radio six twenty WTMJ Sunday afternoon. We start off every program with what I call the the big three, three I think very talkable stories that you need to know about, things that you could discuss at the water cooler, at the lunch table, or whatever. And uh, the third story I want to talk about, this is a follow-up to something that happened after I got off the air on Friday, this horrible story out of Fort Lauderdale, where you had the guy who 
went into his checked luggage, got off a plane in the Fort Lauderdale airport, went into his checked luggage, came out with a gun, loaded, and started firing. Now, I I used to, in another life, I used to travel to the Fort Lauderdale airport all the time. I'm very familiar with that airport because, again, in another life, we used to have all sorts of investigations when I was chasing drug dealers between Milwaukee and South Florida and a lot of times we would we would end up staying in Fort Lauderdale, so we'd fly into Fort Lauderdale and stay there and then drive into Miami. So I'm very familiar with the airport. If you haven't been following the story, what happened is this guy named Esteban Santiago um, had flown into the Fort Lauderdale airport. He goes down to the luggage carousel. He grabs his luggage. He walks to the bathroom. In his luggage, he had apparently checked a 9-millimeter pistol, and ammunition. He loads this, he comes out, and then he starts in, if you've seen the video of this, it is incredibly chilling. He starts randomly shooting fellow travelers. Within a minute, he had killed five people. He had injured six. Others are injured as well as they're scrambling to to get out of the way of this particular rampage. And one of the questions that is coming up is, how was he able to do this? And the answer is, candidly, very easily. You are not allowed to bring guns onto airplanes. You can, however, check firearms. For example, the way it works is if you want to transport a firearm on an airplane, while you can't bring it into the cabin, while you can't bring it through security, what you can do is if you lock your gun in a hard-sided case, typically you, you're supposed to fill out a form indicating that there is a gun there. The gun can't be loaded when you check it, but you can check you can have ammunition next to the, the gun. So that that's how you do it. So apparently that's that's what he did. I mean, he followed all the steps. I don't know for certain whether or not he filled out the form or not. My guess is he probably did. But you can send gun. You can take firearms with you as long as you check them. And in this particular case, like I say, the the shooting occurred after the guy had gotten his checked bags and was in the baggage claim area outside of security. The tragedy that happened on Friday is now generating a lot of controversy and comments. Some people are arguing people should no longer be allowed to take firearms with them in checked luggage on airplanes. Other people are arguing that the security should be extended past where it is now in an effort to try to, again, keep guns out of airports. I want to open up the phone lines. Our number is 414-799-1620, That's the Acunet Mortgage toll-free talk line. What happened in Fort Lauderdale on Friday was awful. It, it, it was awful. Does this, however, expose a problem in the nation's air security? Is this something that we need to change the rules on? You can no longer, for example, you know, take a an, even in checked baggage, you can no longer take a gun. Or is this just one of these unfortunate situations driven by essentially a madman that is basically unpreventable? 
do we need to try to figure out how to change rules in order to prevent something like this from happening again? Or is the reality that you're never going to be able to stop something like this living in a free society? Do we need to do something in response to what happened on Friday? 414-799-1620, That's the Accident Mortgage Toll-Free Talk Line. This is big thing number three we discuss in two minutes. If you're on the line, please hold on. 915 Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. 918, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ, Friday afternoon, an airport shooting. What happened is guy gets on a plane, flies to Fort Lauderdale. In his checked luggage was a handgun with ammunition. He retrieves his bag, goes into the bathroom, takes the gun out of his bag, comes out and starts shooting. Is there anything we could have done to prevent this? Do we need to change the rules? 414-799-1620. Let's start with Dan in Waterford. Dan, good morning. Hi, Jay. How are you? Very well. Thank you, sir. Great topic. I fly uh, uh, annually to hunt. I go to Texas in March. Right. And I and I go to Denver to hunt Wyoming in October. Right. The, the problem is, and, and every time I check, when I check in, I check through TSA. Right. They check the gun. They, I, you never get to touch it. The problem is, on the back end in the baggage claim. I've always thought it was. Now, when I fly to San Antonio from Chicago and I do pick it up, I pick it up from TSA. I pick it up from TSA. When I fly from uh, San Antonio back to Chicago, doesn't matter if it's Midway or O'Hare, it comes out, my gun case comes out on the carousel. Right. You know, so... Anybody could actually pick it up. That's where the security needs to be. It needs to be in the baggage claim, and it needs to be given to you just like you hand it over when you when you fly out. It needs to be the same way when you pick well, it what up. About a, what about handguns? Because handguns, generally speaking... Handguns, same thing. Well, generally speaking, when you fly with handguns, they're in your luggage. You know, they have to be enclosed, but they're in your luggage, right? Right, right. I've done that as well. And in San Antonio, my luggage has been handed to me by the TSA. Okay. So you think if there's a firearm involved, you shouldn't be able to pick it up at a carousel. No, You'd have to pick no. it up by the TSA. Correct. Okay. And uh, think about this. Gun cases, now it's different, as you said, Jay, in, in regular luggage, but gun cases for long guns are as uh, identifiable as golf as golf. Right. Uh, Club uh, cases or ski cases. Yeah, now this, of course, right, but of course, thanks for, I mean, this was, of course, a handgun, so that's different. 414-799-1620, Guess that the the problem, though, with that is, okay, you, you you can make TSA have to give it to you, but at the same time, all right, so, so this guy gets it from TSA. They give him his bag. He then walks into the bathroom and does the same thing. I mean, it's you're, you're still in that area with with the firearm. 414-799-1620. Is there anything you can do about this? Let's talk to Jake in Caledonia. Jake, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Good morning, Jeff. What do you I think? Just, I just flew to uh, Florida over Christmas and checked my fire in my bag. And unfortunately, this is something I don't think you can control. Cause let's just look at Milwaukee, for example. You can walk in off the street to the bank's claim right. area with a firearm, and that's that's technically a gun-free zone. Right. So you have people in there that can't protect themselves or are buying by the, the uh, their permits, not carrying their firearms. So 
Yeah, see, you make an interesting point because the, the at the airport, the security check lines are, of course, before you get to the gates. And, and even though you're right, it's a gun-free zone, theoretically, somebody could – with a concealed weapon, walk into the airport, walk into the concourse, and, and start shooting. We, we don't make you go through metal detectors to get into the, the, the outskirts of the airport. So I guess the argument would be, is that a justification for pushing the metal detectors out past the baggage claim? But then, you know, do we really need to do that, I guess, is the question. Yeah, so it's just one of those freak things where you can't control everything, you know, all the time. Right. No, thanks. I see that. Look, this is a horrible thing, and I do not mean to downplay it in any way, shape, or form. But at the same time, the reality is, as a practical matter, what are you going to do about it? Again, if you go to the point that Jake was making, that you could walk into the airport now with a gun. You could do the same thing that happened if you were already in Fort Lauderdale. You could show up with a firearm, a loaded firearm, and you could walk into the baggage claim area and start shooting. Um, without having just gotten off the airplane to do it, without having to go through any security at all. So the question becomes, how far out can you, as a practical matter, push this type of stuff? Or do we get to the point where we just want to say we're not going to allow you to travel with with firearms? But at the same time, how do you handle the hunting situation? I mean, how do you handle the situation of when I used to travel, uh, I would travel with people who were in law enforcement, for example. And, you know, they'd, they'd, they'd take guns along. 414-799-1620, 800-877-1620. Let's talk to Scott in Greendale. Scott, good morning. You're at 620 WTMJ. Hey, my friend. Good snowy morning to you. Yeah, no kidding, um, but it's 22 degrees. So that's okay. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Hey, you know, I think actually the last few callers, including yourself, kind of pinpointed it at exactly. I would just be agreeing with you. You know, the first caller expressed he was a hunter and does so much traveling, but you already you already hit that point. Okay, that's a great concept, the idea of a TSA officer bringing you your loaded, or excuse me, bringing your weapon out of the check bay, but there's nothing that stops that hunter from walking right into one of the family bathrooms in Fort Lauderdale, which there are many, right. then going in there and coming back out. And again, you can move the perimeter of security. Like, for example, you know, Orlando International is a real tough airport. And being an airline pilot, I go through Orlando all the time. And that's always bothered me because all that food and shopping mall area right. is all outside of security. And right. so I guess, long story short, you couldn't move security out. But once again, it's a balance there. And I really think you can't keep everything 100% safe. And really, if you're looking for a solution, I think the solution is, I know a lot of those officers down in Lauderdale, that's our hub. Those guys are tough guys. They're great guys. They're always looking around. Maybe the only thing I could think of is just a few more plainclothes officers walking around Trying to be looking for people that look suspicious. Like, why did he just go from that TSA agent? Grab his, you know, grab his weapon. Actually, that's a really good point. Now that I think about it with that one hunter, you know, okay, that hunter did just pick up his gun from that TSA agent. Why is he walking into a bathroom with it right Right, now? but what, when you have that. the bag, why not? Why didn't you go to the bathroom before you got the bag? Exactly. Okay, but let me exactly. ask you, what about the idea, and some people are going to suggest not allowing people to fly with ammunition. Now, in this case, the way I understand the rules, you can fly with a gun. It can't be loaded, but you can have ammunition with it. What about the idea of not letting people fly with ammunition? Yeah, absolutely. You know, that... I, so, actually, I'm going through recurrent right now. So, every passenger is allowed 11 pounds of ammunition that is uh, checked away from their gun uh, in check baggage. So in other words, it can't be with your gun in right. check baggage. It has to be in a separate location. You know, I don't know. Again, I guess that is an idea. And so, I, I think you have to think about it. And it's on the table and being put on the spot like that. I'm not sure. 
But again, I just think it really comes down to if you're sick, if you have right. a if you have a cognitive disability from causing from something or another, you will find the way. And maybe some plainclothes officers, maybe a right. little bit more of those officers walking around just trying to know some personality kind of right no I, i'm with you no scott thanks for, i'm see i and this is see this is the problem because I, we, we want to find solutions but the problem is you know, this 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 appears to be a one-off thing it's kind of like saying okay somebody started shooting at a shopping mall what 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 can we do we're going to put up security measures and i guess i i, I understand you could say don't fly with ammunition of course that's going to that is going to, you know, inconvenience a, a lot of people who are on hunting trips or whatever who are now going to have to say, okay, we, we, we've got a reason for having our firearms. Now we've got to go find some place and go buy the, the ammunition. And, of course, none of this is going to stop the person in Fort Lauderdale who has the firearm who wants to drive up and get out in the baggage claim area and start shooting. Jane and Dousman. Jane, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Good morning. What do you think? Well, I uh, kind of agree with the conversation they were just having. More screenings is not going to prevent this. It's just going to inconvenience the thousands, thousands of folks that fly with firearms. These are uh, folks like you and I that have a right to the firearm. Something else needs to be uh, addressed. These individuals, there's something that happens, someone that knows something. Right. These individuals have something wrong with them. Well, and in this and case, there were all sorts of red flags about about this guy. I mean, the he, he, the FBI was focusing on him, knowing that there was something wrong. No, thanks. I see again. I I understand. We want to come up with the no pun intended because it's serious. The, the magic bullet. We want to come up with a solution to these things. And and I guess I'm sort of looking at this saying, I think this was a horrible situation. I think it was a one-off type of situation. I, I think you want to be careful not to have a knee-jerk reaction that's really not going to make any difference. Okay, we're not going to let you fly with ammunition. Well, oh, oh, all right, would that have forestalled this? Maybe. But if the guy was intent on doing this, then he's got his guns. He goes by bullets. He comes back. He does the same thing. 927, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Big thing number two for today coming up in just a couple minutes. It's 935, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. The fallout from the tragic shooting at the Fort Lauderdale Airport continues. Could an attack like that happen here in Milwaukee? Get the latest details on Wisconsin's afternoon news, 310 today. All right, big story number two. I am not a huge watcher of the the award shows anymore. Uh, I'll, I'll tune in a little bit to the Oscars, maybe, and... You know, but as a general rule, yeah, it, that's just, it's just not my thing. So last night there were the Golden Globes that were being awarded, and they were you know on broadcast on NBC. And now I was not. I admit I was not paying much attention to them because I was still on the Packers high. And I was after I got home after watching the Packers game, I was kind of channel surfing, looking for like the sports shows that were going to be showing the highlights of the game. Just never got tired of watching Aaron Rodgers throw four touchdown passes. But you had the Golden Globes. Predictably, you had a number of the Hollywood elite that decided to use the Golden Globes as an opportunity to trash Donald Trump. Now, as many of you know, and many of you have pointed out to me, I'm not one of these guys that drank the Donald Trump Kool-Aid. I'm not sorry that Hillary Clinton lost, but I had reservations about Donald Trump. I actually think his post-election, I think he's off to a pretty decent start. I like a lot of the people he's talking about for the cabinet. I like a number of the things that he is talking about doing, certainly not everything, and I intend to 
support him when I think he's right, and I tend to criticize him when I think he's wrong. But I, I have been both amazed and disappointed with the level of hostility that has been directed at him. Oh, this is terrible. Whether it's all the protests or the people who continue to argue, well, you know, Hillary Clinton won the popular vote, so this is not a legitimate presidency. No, you you need to get over yourself. But one of the groups that is just not getting over themselves are the Hollywood celebrities. So maybe you have heard about this. I watched the six-minute video of this. Meryl Streep, who I think is a great American actress. You know, it Going back to her days in Kramer versus Kramer or Sophie's Choice, I, I mean, I think she is a great actress. I, I want to give her her due in that regard. She received an award last night from the Golden Globes for Lifetime Achievement. And instead of using this primarily as an opportunity to thank the organization for giving her the award to thank the various stars that she worked with or directors or producers and all those type of things. She essentially decided to use the speech as a five or six minute opportunity to rail on on Donald Trump, to which, you know, she she did. Now, she didn't mention him by name. But she went on. Now, she was a big supporter of Hillary Clinton. Um, she went on this long, impassioned rant uh, against Trump. She claimed TV and movie stars belong to the most vilified segments in American society. <laughs> okay. These, you know, you, you want to talk about just a complete tone deafness. All right. Yes. TV actors and movie stars who get millions of dollars for playing parts, they're in the most vilified segments of society. Um, She talked about how Hollywood is crawling with outsiders and foreigners, and if we kick them all out, you'll have nothing to watch but football and mixed martial arts, which are not the arts. And then she talked about, you know, the the controversy involving Trump's alleged mockery of the disabled journalist, um, etc., etc. Disrespect invites disrespect. Violence incites violence. When the powerful use their position to bully others, we all lose. And then she goes on and on, of course, Um, She's greeted by big rounds of applause. And, oh, isn't this great inside the room? I want to open up the phone lines. Our numbers are 414-799-1620, 800-877-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Toll-Free Talk Line. Now, I don't know if you actually watch the Golden Globes or not, but chances are you have perhaps heard about this. Meryl Streep, certainly, as any American does, has the right to her opinion. At the same time, I think the last thing that average Americans want is to be preached to by extremely well-paid Hollywood elitists. And if you want to guarantee that Donald Trump, even before he is sworn in, gets a second term, if Hollywood continues on this, we're going to rag on Trump uh, vendetta that they appear to be on, you pretty much guarantee that he's going to get a second term because I don't think the average American wants to hear their president run down by somebody like Meryl Streep at an awards ceremony. 414-799-1620, 800-877-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage toll-free talk line. I mean, I will be honest, as I'm watching and looking at it, and of course, you know, Trump responds in kind and you know, whether he should be doing that or not, I, that's a, a whole different story. But at the same time, I mean, I'm sitting there thinking these people, for the love of God, they, they just need to be told, you know, knock it, knock it off. 
people, especially in these settings for these Hollywood celebrities, don't care about your particular opinions. Would you like to see these celebrities knock it off? And do you think that, again, is it helpful if the idea is we don't like Donald Trump? Is it helpful to watch a bunch of Hollywood celebrities get together and rip on Donald Trump? Or is that the type of thing that, candidly, um, is just going to make more and more people tune out to things like the Golden Globes or the Oscars or whatever? 414-799-1620, That's the Accident Mortgage Toll-Free Talk Line. And by the way, you will never convince me that one of the reasons that Donald Trump got elected was I think that there was a backlash that existed to, I don't know, being lectured to by some of these celebrities. 414-799-1620 is the number we discuss in two minutes. If you're on the line, please hold on. 941, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. 944, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Table your tailgate plans and let us treat you with WTMJ's Run the Table tailgate giveaway. We're giving away some free food for your tailgate all throughout the playoffs as the Packers run the table. One lucky listener even gets their food delivered by Gene Miller before the game. Listen all day to WTMJ for your chance to win. WTMJ's Run the Table tailgate giveaway, courtesy of Bunzel's Old Fashioned Meat Market and Catering. Yeah, last Bunzel. Bunzel's Old Fashioned Meat Market and Catering. Um, Last night, Golden Globe Awards, most of you probably did not watch, but Meryl Streep is getting a Lifetime Achievement Award. She uses this as a five- or six-minute opportunity to go off on an anti-Donald Trump rag. Really? Let's talk to John in Port Washington. John, good morning. Uh, Actually, it's Tom. Tom uh, in Port Washington. Hi, Tom. Hi. Um, First of all, honestly, we don't pay these uh, actors and actresses to be given political speeches. Right. We pay to go get entertained by them in the movies or in the theater or whatever. And for the, her to take the time to just bash on Trump, I think is ridiculous. I mean, yeah. for better or worse, he won the election. Well, right. And see, and I actually think that the whole I, I understand you're in this hall with a bunch of other Hollywood elites and high paid lefties and things like that. And, and they like to hear how vilified they are and how, you know, how terrible it is. But the truth is, I think average America doesn't care and doesn't want to be lectured to by the Meryl Streeps of the uh, of the world or the Jimmy Fallons or, or whatever. And the more they do that, the more it drives people into Donald Trump's corner. Well, I think what it is is. The majority of America is tired of career politicians. Yep. And when you have these people like Meryl Streep or Jimmy Fallon who appear at the White House almost every other month, yep. I it's just disheartening. It, well, it, it is. And I, I mean, I see, and I guess the part of it is it, it's the co-opting the award show type of thing. If Meryl Streep wants to... Host, or Barbara Streisand, whoever, wants to host a fundraiser for Hillary Clinton, that, that's great. If she wants to do ads for Hillary Clinton, that, that's great. But it, it's when it starts bleeding into the entertainment avenue that I think it just, again, a lot of people do not want to be preached to or nagged about this. Let's talk to Luther in Whitewater. Luther, good morning. You're in 620 WTMJ. Good morning, uh, Luther. Yeah, I think this is absurd. I mean, like the, the election, the, the dragging through tarnishing each other's names gone on long enough and then they bring this up and you know we're watching this to be entertained we've we've been through the election process we had enough of it and then i just imagine that if another celebrity comes out and says hey well donald trump did this and he starts to back donald trump then we got another debate going on and 
It's yeah. just ridiculous. Yeah, it is. It's it's an awards show, for goodness sake. Now, if Meryl Streep wants to make a statement, okay, co-produce a movie about Hillary Clinton and talking about how awful it was that she lost. Okay, and then people can decide, do you want to spend the money and watch it or not? But this, but again, I think for every one of these Hollywood elitists that go off on these rants, it just it just turns more and more of the average people off. I, I agree totally. And like I said, I just... Imagine some uh, another celebrity going up there and then back in Trump, and then what is this all turning into all of a sudden? I mean, like I said, we we've been through the process already. Right. You know, the people have spoken. It's time to just move on. It's time to just ride it out. Right. Well, th- right. Exactly. I mean, thanks for calling again. That's why, like I said, I, I never drank the Donald Trump Kool Aid. I'm not sorry he won. I think he's going to be better than in many areas than, than Hillary Clinton would have been. But I mean, I, I don't I, I understand that there's issues. I, but I think I think actually his pre-presidency is off to a pretty good start. But for all these people who are these sore losers and rag and rag and rag and think that they are connecting. Well, OK, maybe Meryl Streep felt really good inside, you know, that auditorium. But Otherwise, I think most of America is sitting there saying, for the love of God, be quiet. Dan writes, the more Hollywood elites persist in bashing Trump, the more they drive people who were not big fans to embrace him. I hope there is a backlash where fewer people pay for their movies and concerts. That may get their attention. Um, no. I, Redden writes, I didn't see the Streep speech, but I will note that on most award shows, award recipients are not allowed to drone on and on. Apparently, her speech lasted five or six minutes. Yes, uh, usually they're allowed brief acceptance speeches before the orchestra. Um, fires up and drowns them out as they're escorted across off the stage, unless, of course, they're making a political statement that they agree with. Uh, Yeah, that's, you know, that's that's it. And I think, again, if if mainstream America ends up tuning out these people, it is it's the cluelessness. It's the tone deaf the tone deafness that's going on out there. And uh, it, it apparently, again, I only watched the six-minute recap. I didn't watch the entire show. But I'll, I'll tell you, even as somebody who's not necessarily a huge fan of Donald Trump, if all this is going to be for the next four years is every time you tune into one of these award shows or whatever, all you see are the hosts you know, mocking the president of the United States or trying to refight old battles that were decided in November, it's going to get really, really tedious, and more and more people are going to switch to things like watching football or martial arts or whatever. Coming up in less than two and a half minutes, the top story that I think you need to know about today. It's 950 Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. It's 953 Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Sunday was a tale of two halves for the Packers, but did it come at a cost? What's the latest on offensive threats? Ty Montgomery. Now, he went back in the game, I think, and Jordy Nelson. Greg Matzik takes a look at the injury report on Sports Central at 7.07 this evening. When we were talking to Wayne Larrabee, of course, about an hour ago, he said didn't have any inside information, but he thought he thought Jordy Nelson, it would be unlikely that Nelson would be playing given what it looked like to hit. But I guess we'll find out more as time goes on. Hey, coming up in 15 minutes, it's Dealer's Choice, my most talkable story of the day. You do not want to miss that. Uh, Some developments on the national level. But here, big story number one. Over the weekend, the Department of Transportation released video of the fatal crash on Milwaukee's Hone Bridge. Now, we talked about this a little bit on the program last week. This was December 19th, about 8.30 in the morning. And you might remember this was a situation where we had had 
uh, snow and then it froze. You had a lot of the glare ice, the black ice things, to the point that apparently the authorities had to close a couple of the on-ramps getting on to some of the, the freeway things because people just couldn't get up. Because this, what we've seen is you can drive in snow, but ice is just deadly. You, it doesn't matter. You can have four-wheel drive. You can have the best tires in the world. But when you hit patches of ice, you are going to lose control, which is one of the reasons why it is so very, very, very important for people, you know, when you're driving in winter driving conditions, you have to be mindful of what those conditions are, and you have to approach at appropriate speeds. So anyhow, the morning of December 19th, it was a Monday morning, you had people who were driving over the Hone Bridge, and you had this horrible situation where a 27-year-old man um, driving a truck on the Hone Bridge um, lost control of the car, went over the bridge. The car falls, I think, 30 to 40 to 50 feet, lands upside down. The young man is killed. The 27-year-old man is killed. His name was Christopher Weber. There was a lot of speculation about this, a lot of different factors. There were huge patches of ice on the Hone Bridge. In addition, when they had plowed the snow, they had created, and I'd never heard this phrase before, but some people were saying, oh, these were sort of like snow ramps. In other words, you had this the, the snow that was piled up uh, between the pass, the driving lane and between the, the wall, and the car kind of, when it went out of control, it sort of went up these frozen snow banks, and that helped it, again, like a ramp, go over the edge. I don't know if that's the case or not. But over the weekend, the Department of Transportation released the video of the fatal crash, and it's very, very difficult to watch because you can see exactly what hap- what's happening. Guy's driving along. He loses control. The car starts to fishtail out. It spins around. You can see the man trying to correct the vehicle back and forth, loses control, and then the car ends up going over the ramp. Now, I think what you're going to find is that there's a lot of blame to go around in this, and obviously the guy was probably driving too fast for conditions. But what really stands out when you watch this video is how low the wall is along the Hone Bridge. Now, one of the things that happened is a number of years ago when they rebuilt the Hone Bridge, there used to be guardrails that added an extra foot to two feet, you know, just metal guardrails that were on attached to the wall. When they rebuilt the Hone Bridge, they did away with those guardrails. And so now you have, again, a much low, you've got the wall, but you don't have anything above that. Now, those guardrails, I, I don't know, if you have a car that's, or a truck that's driving at 55 or 60 miles an hour and it loses control in this fashion, I, I don't know that those metal guardrails are necessarily going to be enough to stop the truck from going through. But I guess my take on this was, it could not hurt. So you have a number of legislators who are raising these questions. And I think this is you know, a very, very fair question for the Department of Transportation and for officials. Why were those guardrails not put back up after you had the Hone Bridge reconstruction? That's number one. And, and number two, why aren't they there? Because, again, I appreciate that it would Can you guarantee that it would have stopped what happened? No. But this is one of these hard questions. And if you drive over the Hone Bridge, again, you want to be careful. I I recognize that nothing is going to be perfect. 
But I also recognize that, you know, by putting up those guardrails, you perhaps limit the view and things like that. But it is amazingly low. It is amazingly low. And I think one of the things that's going to come from this tragedy is a reexamination of the whole issue of should we reinstall these guardrails on the Hone Bridge to give that, that added level of security. Now, as we frequently talk about, this, this was a freak accident. There's no question about it. You had a combination of things that were going on. You had bad weather. You had the ice. You had the speed. All those different things. But at the same time, You look at how low that is, you watch this video, and I think it's really clear that a lot of people are going to be needing to answer some questions, including, you know, why don't we put those guardrails back? That's big story number one. Coming up in less than 10 minutes, Donald Trump wants to build the wall. He now says Mexico's going to pay, but, 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 they're not going to pay right away, so we're going to front the money. But trust me, I'm going to make them pay. We're going to talk about that. I think it's the most talkable topic of the day, and it's coming up in just a couple minutes.